Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS. I am not Sam DeMarco, even though I would aspire to be one day. My name is Lenny McAllister. You have had an opportunity to interact with me over the years, both on PCNC and previously on a radio station also here in Pittsburgh, as well as in different public policy capacities, helping to serve uh, southwestern Pennsylvania and ideally across the country. And I'm very glad to fill in for Sam. He's a wonderful guy and a wonderful public servant. And what we're going to do today is talk about two other gentlemen that are looking to serve the public, not again, just in southwestern Pennsylvania, but dare I say, from the state house in Harrisburg and serving the state. So again, welcome to the elephant in the room. I'm going to talk to Don Nevels first. And and just to kind of give some contextualization to this, we have a special election coming up on February 7th. Now, this is the, the public service announcement to let everybody know elections are not just once every four years in November, and it's not just for your presidency. You have to pay attention to every time an election comes up because every single election impacts your life one way or another. And here's another example of this. So to kind of put more color into this, we have three open seats right now, House District 32, 34, 35. We're looking to fill seats as a result of people moving into other positions and the passing of former Representative Tony DeLuca. With that said, we have two guests on our show today that are looking to fill those seats. And one of them, and I want to do the first half of the show with this gentleman here, Mr. Don Nevels, who is looking to win this seat in the special election. Again, February 7th, for those of you that live in House District 35, that's the Mon Valley, including McKeesport. Dawn's running for that seat in February. And Dawn, first, I want to say thank you and for joining us here on The Elephant in the Room. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Lenny, for having me. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to reach out to our constituents. Let's talk a little bit about why you made a decision to run in this election. First and foremost, uh, we'll get to issues. I promise you that. And, and folks, I, again, we'll make sure we get to the things that matter to you. But at first, I want people to get a chance to know you because it's one thing to run for an election that you get a chance to plan for for 18 months. It's a different story to be a candidate that says, I'm going to run for a special election seat in the middle of winter when nobody generally is paying attention, but I know it's important if we can get good leadership out of this seat. So tell me a little bit about who you are and tell the good people out there why you decided to run for this seat. Thank you very much. Um, A little bit about myself. I'm a 14-year Navy veteran. I made chief in eight years, which was pretty much unheard of back then. It usually took about took about 14 years or so. I attribute that to my upbringing and where I was raised here in Southwest PA. So did you grow up in the region? Where exactly did you grow up in the Southwestern Pennsylvania? I grew up in Clareton. Uh, we moved there when I was six. I graduated from Clareton High School in 1981. Then I decided to go to the Navy. So June 3rd, we graduated. June 22nd, I was in boot camp. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. My pleasure. You came back to the region and after serving our country, you've been here in the region. And I have to imagine that running for office is not the first time you decided to do something as far as a civic duty. You already did it in the military. What other types of things did you have an opportunity to to not only get involved with, but get an opportunity to see what's going right, but also what's going wrong that led you to this decision? Well, I initially started my run in politics for Congress back in 2020. Uh, I actually got tired of seeing Mike Doyle just sit around for 26 years and not accomplish much. So I called my wife one day and said, I just wanted to let you know that I submitted my paperwork to run for Congress. (laughs) That was an interesting story for the rest of the day. Uh, 
after then COVID broke out. And so getting the signatures to get on the ballot became next to impossible. So I refocused on what I could do locally. Now, I've always been a national picture guy because of my time in the, in the service. I've always concentrated on the national picture. But I feel that I can really bring some goodness to our district from the knowledge and the experience that I've gained over the years, not only being in the military, but uh, being self-employed and a business owner for the past 28 years. So I also was unanimously selected by the Clareton mayor and the city council to serve on the board of directors for the Clareton Municipal Authority and also on the Redevelopment Authority for the city of Clareton, where we accomplished quite a lot of things. You start thinking about House District 35 and, and you look at it, and it's, it's this very interesting blend of Pittsburgh's past and its challenges, but also national past and challenges. It's the epitome of the Rust Belt, but with challenges there. You also have challenges in education. You also have challenges in the economy. You also have challenges with, with criminal justice. As you started looking at this race and you looked at the district, what are some of the things that really stuck out to you to say, listen, I got to really make it a point to tackle this because whether people are talking about it or not, this is something that needs to be done. There's a couple issues. I appreciate you bringing that up. There's a couple issues I want to get to today. Uh, but first, I just want to say that as a resident of PA 35, uh, all of, with all of our past representatives, I feel like we just have not had the representation we deserve. I've heard it on the campaign trail, no communications, uh, no meetings. Uh, my full intentions are to have many town hall meetings. I will have an o open door policy because I believe a representative is exactly that. You represent the people, not your party, not yourself. You represent the people. And that's what it all boils down to. Before we get to those issues, that's an interesting point. And let, let's, let's talk about that for just a second because, you know, that district was previously represented by somebody that had a pretty partisan career. And that district had had, despite some of the failings of the district, had been pretty much dominated from a partisan perspective for quite some time. So this special election is, is unique to have both a Republican and a Democrat running for this district. In fact, the former office holder of this district won the district because the previous office holder was indicted. That's correct. And without and I and everybody's different. We all have family members that are less than what we'd like them to be. But it, it seems as though this is a family member of that indicted member that had to be forced to be, be removed from the House. That's not running against you as an opponent. That's exactly right. And, you know, my question about it is how much did he really know about what his brother was doing? And also, I'm not a career politician. My opponent has been in the political game and instructed how to run things from the Democratic side for many, many years. It's time to get some fresh views and some fresh blood in there that, won't, that does, don't know how to work the system to benefit themselves, but want to, wants to work the system to benefit the people. Now, I think, and I think that's interesting. I do want to get to the issues. And again, you're listening to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS. I'm Lenny McAllister filling in for Sam DeMarco. It's interesting because in the last several years, particularly in the Mon Valley, you saw newcomers come in and say, 
I don't really care if you have that political last name that's dominated the region for the last 20, 30, 40 years. And, and actually, later on in the show, we're going to talk to Clayton Walker, who's trying to take on a name that dominated the Penn Hills region for 40 years. So it's it's interesting because we're at a point in time politically where people are kicking out those legacy political names in the region for fresh ideas. That has to excite you a little bit about this special election race. It excites me very much. And honestly, uh, I'm looking so forward to this uh, election. I'm excited to be serving the people of PA 35. I've served people my whole life from the military and a service-based industry uh, business. And I'm just ready to get in there and do what we got to do and take action. One thing I am good at is not sitting still. Uh, One thing I can't stand is in government, all the red tape, it takes forever to get things passed. I'm the kind of guy that will take that form to the person that needs to sign it and pound on their desk and say, let's get this done. Let's talk about some of those issues. You said you had two main issues. And one of the ones when we talked about this on the way over to the studio was was air quality. Now, people see that as more of a left-leaning issue that Republicans don't care about air quality, they just care about businesses. But one, that's not true. Believe it or not, Republicans breathe air too. And and number (laughs) two, on top of that, there's not just an environmental issue tied to it. And we talked about this, Don. There's also an, an economic development tie. And when you're talking about District 35, you're talking about a district that for the longest time is trying to figure out a way to come back and be as strong as it was in the you know first half of the 20th century and get over the challenges that it faced in the second half of the 20th century and so far in the 21st. Exactly. And that's one of the topics I want to talk about is the air quality. I think it's an, an issue that's avoided a lot of times by the right. Uh, and, and it seems like you said, the left seems to think that we don't breathe air and we don't like the environment, but we actually do. So I wanted to bring to the attention specifically for my district in PA 35. When I look out of my kitchen window, I can see the Glassport Clareton Bridge. I can see the big mountain on the other side of the river, and I can see U.S. Steel. About two years ago, two or three years ago, U.S. Steel had planned on upgrading all the mills in this area because, you know, we still have some pollution problems. Now, when I was a kid and I looked at that mountain uh, daily, it was brown all the time. It didn't matter if it was winter or summer. That mountain was brown and didn't grow anything. Now, here we are, 2023. When I look at that mountain in the summer, it is lush green. There is growth everywhere. So we've definitely come a long way in uh, curbing our pollution. We used to have soot on our cars in the morning, like an eighth inch of soot every morning when I was a kid. So we've definitely come a long way. However, we do have a little ways to go. Now, if you're not, if you don't know, the Clareton Mill is the most, the Cokeworts, is the most regulated mill on earth. So about three years ago, I went to this uh, presentation where they were going to upgrade the mill. They were going to help with the pollution, and they were going to put in what's called a cogeneration plant into the Clareton Coke Works. This cogeneration plant was going to take the gases that exit the stacks, and they were going to run them through a gas turbine. That gas turbine was then going to generate an electrical grid, and the mill would have their own electrical power grid. They wouldn't be on the main system. Now, not only that, but that upgrade was going to eliminate the existing pollution that's put out now by another 50 to 85 percent, which is huge, not only for the environment, but for people to breathe, because 
I know a lot of people in the area that have passed away from cancer, have cancer, or various illnesses that could very well have been caused by some of these uh, environmental pollutants. So we definitely want to take care of that. But here's my issue with it. The powers to be that were in office during this time, and I'm talking Fitzgerald, Brewster, and Austin Davis, for two years they did nothing while those permits sat at the health department. Nobody called them. Nobody pounded on desks to try to get this to move along. Nobody did anything. And after two years of waiting, U.S. Steel took the equipment that was already here, ready to install. They took the equipment, the $2 billion investment, and all those high-paying jobs and moved to Arkansas. So now here we are stuck in the same situation that we've been in. And there's not one Democrat that lifted their hand, or I'll even say just one elected official, that lifted their hand to get these permits moving. And this is something I want to approach U.S. Steel about and see if we can't somehow get this cogeneration plant back into existence. Now, here's the kicker to the whole mill situation and why they didn't push those permits. That mill is heavily fined throughout the year, and we're talking millions and millions of dollars. If they would have proved those permits for the upgrades to the mill, how are they going to make up that money? So I believe it boils down to receiving their money over the health of the people. So as a a state representative, should you win in the beginning of February, what types of things do you want to convince your future colleagues to understand about these type of initiatives? Because you you go to Harrisburg, and from my experience being the former CEO of the Charter Coalition here in the state – you find oftentimes that legislators in Allentown can't relate to legislators in Harrisburg who can't relate to Philadelphia but so much, and they certainly can't relate to Erie and Pittsburgh. What types of things do you see yourself educating your future colleagues on about this issue that can make a difference? Just as I intend to have town hall meetings, I intend to have meetings with my colleagues to let them know what this district is all about. I mean, that, that, that's, that's perfect. And it's, it's, you know, here's the thing, Don, and, and I'd love to get your perspective on this as we're, we're working through this and just kind of how you're going to be a legislator, which is important. And, and I, a lot of people don't have the foresight in this, and I'm glad to hear that you do. When you're talking about what to do, you're, we're talking about 203 people in Harrisburg, which I've often told people that's half of the U.S. House of Representatives in a little itty-bitty town in central Pennsylvania. That's a lot of minutia, but to be able to chunk little by little to get it through and make it mean different things to different people. You know, there, there's an economic component to this. There's an environmental component to this. There's a public safety component to this. There's a healthcare component to this. And, and, and I want to kind of touch upon that. How do you, you know, how do you see yourself trying to bring those things together? Because you touched upon them yourself, even the healthcare aspect of it. You know, we have retirees that are there. And people are living longer. How do we make sure that with this type of initiative that seems to be focused on one thing, it can be widespread and really help the region overall? Well, I have to say that's one thing I've been blessed with my whole life is I've bridged the gap many, many times in my life, including the military, including in my, uh, my businesses. I've worked with people from all walks of life, all religions, all races. It, it doesn't matter. I've I'm able to talk to people at any level to get my message across to them. And I've been blessed with that. So I believe that everything I've done in my life up to this point uh, will help me succeed in bridging the gap and getting what we need here in this district. 
Now, we're talking about economic development. We're tying it to, to air quality, which most people wouldn't necessarily do. But if you have a better quality of life and then you have a way for people to come into your region, it's very easy for them to bring in businesses, which brings in a tax base. You could still have a reasonable tax base, which of course helps the local schools and other local businesses and going from there. The Mon Valley has an expressway that's often talked about. And I know that's one of your other key issues that should you become the next representative, you really want to champion. Talk a little bit about your perspective on that and, and what you're bringing to people on the campaign trail and what you want to bring to Harrisburg should you win. So the Mon Valley Expressway, uh, Highway 43, as most know it, uh, ended the construction a long time ago. It didn't, it didn't extend to the next phase. Well, they finally got the financing for that, and now it is moving forward. The great thing about the Mon Valley Expressway for our district is it's going to bring people straight into Duquesne and McKeesport. Right now, if you try to go to Duquesne, McKeesport, and a lot of our communities, it's around mountains and under and through tunnels, and you know you have 10 miles to go, and it takes 40 minutes to get there. The Mon Valley Expressway is going to come right in and, like you said, deliver that opportunity for businesses to set up, more people to come into the district and utilize those business, and just easier access. Now, that alone, just building the expressway and, and granting us that access is going to be great for everybody economically. It's going to bring jobs. It's going to bring businesses. And we know that that's what it takes to make us go around. Again, you're listening to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS. I'm Lenny McAllister filling in for Sam DeMarco. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. I'm talking to Don Nevels, who is running in this special election, again, February 7th. For those of you living in House District 35, there's actually three of them. House District 35 is one of those races. We'll later be talking to Clayton Walker, who's in House District 32, and there's also House District 34. There are three special elections coming up February 7th. I'm talking to Don Nevels now, who's running in the 35th legislative district, which is the Mon Valley area. Uh, let's get back to this expressway. And, and primarily what I want to ask when it comes to this, Don, is what's the perspective on how it will change the region? Because one of the failures that people would say of, of political leadership is not taking advantage of opportunities that are right there. You mentioned that with the air quality with Clareton Works, which, by the way, my dad retired from USX Clareton Works back in, in 2010. So I'm very familiar with the area and some of the issues that they have out there. What's the vision for changing how that district sees itself and then subsequently how that new view and new opportunities can change the realities? Everything from educational opportunities to business opportunities to a reduction in crime, which is is spiking, unfortunately, everywhere in our region. And that's huge in our area, the spiking of crime. And one of the things uh, I want to go after is as far as not only are we getting access with the Mon Valley Expressway, but we also need to check out our uh, facilities for juveniles because I don't know if you know that Schumann Center has been closed down for some time. That's increased the crime in the juvenile community. And honestly, the courts just don't have anywhere to put them. So they're just releasing them back out and they're just reoffending. So we have to get that under control because if we have a crime ridden city with easy access, nobody's going to come. So we have to take care of everything at once to make sure we hit this all right. And within the community, we have huge commercial uh, buildings. We have small buildings, all available for businesses to rent out. And this expressway is going to be a big plus to that. 
Have you had an opportunity to talk to any future employers or anybody that might be looking to come into the region? Because when a, when a community or, or a legislative district is on the downside, the downside is there's no economic development there at the time. But it's kind of like the stock market, right? You could conceivably buy low and not necessarily sell high, but you can bring a community back up. We've seen this across the country. All it takes is a couple of staple businesses that make a difference, a couple of staple new communities that make a difference. What types of things would you like to see come about as a result of some of the initiatives you want to put in place as a freshman legislator? Well, one of the first things I want to do when elected is I want to go and talk to all the mayors in my community, all the community leaders. I want to know what their issues are, what they would like to see done with their communities and how I can help them. Uh, Each community is obviously a little bit different. So we're going to see a lot of different things coming in that I'm going to have to you know, pick and choose and figure out what we can do for them and move forward from there. Let me ask you this question. You're coming into a district in a region that's had some pretty big personalities over the last several years. I mean, if you just expand past your legislative district, you now have a current lieutenant governor bordering a previous lieutenant governor who's now a U.S. senator and now the first African-American woman to ever serve in Congress from southwestern Pennsylvania also being a neighbor. You're coming into a special election, which is higher profile than most because of those realities, but your personality seems to be different. How do you use that to your advantage in a district that's been dominated by these personalities and dominated from a partisan perspective? What do you do as a change agent to use your natural abilities and gifts to kind of change the tone a little bit? Frankly, I'll be myself. I'm a man of action and not words. Uh, People say, you know, you're running for office. You should brag about the things you did, but I'm not a bragger. So what I like to do is I just like to show people what I do. I take action and get it done. Again, you're listening to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS. Lenny McAllister filling in for Sam DeMarco. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Make sure you share with a friend. I'm talking to Don Nevels, who is running for the 35th Legislative District in a special election February 7th. Those of you that are living in that district, make sure you're eligible to vote on February 7th. Um, Let me ask you this question, Don. And again, I appreciate your time here today. You get through your first two terms. What's different in your district? What, what, What does it feel like? What does it look like? What major one or two legislative accomplishments would you like to see transpire over those first two to four years? Well, I would definitely like to see and I plan on getting our economy back in shape in this district. The Mon Valley Expressway is going to help us with that. I also want to see I want to see blue skies instead of cloudy skies. And what I mean by that is I don't want our district clouded with, oh, it's a bad district. Oh, they're crime ridden. Oh, we have problems. I want to see things that say, hey, we're going to McKeesport today for the day. We're going to Clareton to see what's going on. I want to see businesses, especially small businesses, get back into these communities because that is the backbone. And and speaking of which, and I've heard this type of um, vision across southwestern Pennsylvania, you're actually, should you win, you're coming into a a very interesting time in southwestern Pennsylvania uh, state politics because you have a bastion of up-and-coming young Republican leaders that have not been in the state house very long, but they're pretty influential. I mean, Valerie Gatos and Rob McCurry and and Natalie Mihalik and others, they're there and they're now 
part of this crop of leadership that is well-respected in Harrisburg, and now they're starting to get their sea legs and be tenured in Harrisburg. Have you thought about how you'd be working with them? And they obviously they represent different communities. For example, Rob McCurry's up in Wexford and you got Val Gatos out there towards Swickley. But it's still a Pittsburgh identity. You know how Pittsburghers are. That's, that's what we do. What types of things do you see yourself working with them on that will not only further the leadership of Southwestern Pennsylvania, but subsequently can help your district in working with them? Well, I've already talked to all of them. I've worked a little bit with Natalie and, uh, our intentions are to get together as representatives in this area to see what we can do together to bring more resources into the area and accomplish what we have to do. Don, before I let you go again, Don Neville's running for the special election in the 35th legislative district. Don, point people to your information, point them to where they can find information about you, contact you if they need to, knock on doors if you need them to, which you always we do. We always do. And send you some money as a donation, which, look, he can't say it, I can say it. Every politician running for office needs money. Give me your information, Don. Okay, you can find out more information about me on the website electdonnevels.com. That's E-L-E-C-T-D-O-N-N-E-V-I-L-L-S.com. You'll find me on Facebook and Twitter under Donald Nevels or Don for State Rep. And if you feel like mailing a check to help us out, the address is 530 North 6th Street, Clareton, PA, 15025. I really appreciate your time, Lenny, and the opportunity to speak to my constituents, and I hope we can do this again in the future as a state representative. And listen, he, this guy wants to serve you, and I'm going to remind folks out there that are listening, this is the elephant in the room here on WJS, those elephants out there listening, special elections, if you knock on doors and you meet enough people, magic happens all the time. It's worked against us. This time it can work for us. Don Nevels, thanks for joining us here on WJAS. Thank you very much. Folks, we're going to take a break here on The Elephant in the Room. We'll be right back after these messages. The midterm elections are in the rearview mirror, and now it's time to start finding great school board candidates for 2023. Convince the right candidates to run using the Get Elected app for easy-to-understand voter data and analysis, canvassing tools, and more. Visit getelected.org and show them the path to victory. Get elected. Campaign with confidence. Welcome back. This is Lenny McAllister filling in for Sam DeMarco here on The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. Thank you so much for joining us. And as I mentioned during the first half of the show, there's a special election coming up in February. One of the districts, again, here in southwestern Pennsylvania is House District 32. That was, for decades, represented by the late Tony DeLuca. Um tell you how long Tony DeLuca was in office. I think Tony DeLuca helped me get a job when I was in college because that's just kind of how patronage jobs worked back in the day. Now, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. You can find it. But the point is, Representative DeLuca, may his soul rest in peace, was in office forever. And this is a opportunity for this district to actually have different leadership, which is why Clayton Walker is running in the special election Clayton, thank you for joining us here on WJS. How are you doing today? I am doing outstanding. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Uh, so I got to tell you, this one's a little closer to my heart. And again, I, I, I know the Mon Valley pretty well, but I'm a Penn Hills guy. Born and raised. My parents bought their home in 1975. So like I said, you know, when, when you come out of college there, everybody goes to Tony DeLuca. Can they get you a summer job? And you, certain things in Penn Hills haven't changed for good and for bad for a very long time. This is an opportunity for change. I know you saw that when you decided to run for this office, but that couldn't have been the only reason why. 
What else prompted you to again walk out in the cold in a Pittsburgh winter to run for a special election? Well, there's two reasons. Number one, I'll give you the, the funny one first, and then I'll give you the more serious one afterwards. The first thing that got me started to consider running was, believe it or not, my wife. So literally eight days before the 2020 election, just out of the clear blue, she woke up in the middle of the night and she just decided I needed to run for office. And as a result, she started talking some people into writing my name in. And I, I joke about the fact that I managed to get at least 15 write-in votes on election night. But then right after that, you know, we started talking about it more seriously. And the reason that I decided to run is I've been politically minded for several years, but never had the initiative or the urge to step out. You might even call it the fear, you know, but then as a pastor, I've been a pastor for 30 years. And one of the things the Bible teaches us is God does not give us a spirit of fear. Nope but of power and love and a sound mind. And I think I've got a sound mind. And again, one more scripture, you know, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if I've got the power and the sound mind, there's nothing that's stopping me from stepping out. Now, Clayton, I mean, this is the elephant in the room on WJS, but I'm pretty certain somewhere out there in our listening audience, somebody's giving you an amen. So <laughs> you said there were two reasons. Number one, you said your wife. What else prompted you to say, okay, this is my moment, this is the time, and I am the right person to fill this role. I worked the polls election night, and having already known that Tony DeLuca had passed away a couple weeks before, I watched people come in to vote for a man that they knew was dead. Some of them didn't even know that he had passed on, but voted anyway. And the, uh, the opposing candidate that night was someone whose name no one could pronounce. So... As a result of that, looking at the fact that the man served in office for over 40 years, I know you didn't say the, the number, but he served that office for 40 years to the point where I believe nobody was, was brave enough to step up and run against him. Or if the people that did step up put in a half-hearted effort to try to compete against him. The fact that he's now off the scene opens this district up completely. And I'm the kind of person that says to myself, if not me, then who? You know, I do believe that I have everything that it takes to get this job done. I've got the mind to get it done. I've been receiving significant support in terms of helping to get it done. And I'm, I'm believing that God is going to allow my prayer to be answered because he's a God that doesn't lie. So unless something changes between now and February 7th, I'm looking at being the man to fill that seat. So, so Reverend, let me, let me say this. This district is, it's a very interesting district. It is. You know, you have a Penn Hills that is not the Penn Hills I grew up in. It has a lot more crime. It has a lot more problems. It had issues with its school district with funding that almost sunk the whole municipality under not that long ago. Correct. And yet it also takes part of Oakmont, which is an affluent area. It also takes part of Plum, if I remember correctly, which can be working class, can be a little affluent. It's this weird amalgamation through the wonder of gerrymandering. How do you look at this district? Based on, I believe you live in Verona, correct? I live right on the border of Penn Hills and Verona. Yeah, see, so that, 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 that in and of itself is a little different. What types of things have you seen and done on the campaign trail to show people Listen, I understand what you're going through as a pastor and a, as a man that's walked these streets and a, and, a, and a resident of this district. So I'm going to focus on the two biggest issues that jump out right off the bat, and you kind of touched on them. Penn Hills literally borders 
the city of Pittsburgh. And the main corridor from Pittsburgh into Penn Hills is the corridor that the, the crime traffic is working its way into the Penn Hills community. So I've watched crime over the last, literally the last six months skyrocket. I mean, shootings are up in Penn Hills to the degree that we've never seen before. And I'm talking about even back in the 90s when the gangs were prevalent. You know, so there's a big influx of crime. And for the first time, Penn Hills just recently graduated its first class of new police recruits. The challenge, though, is they've graduated new police officers, but the police have been handcuffed behind this whole, you know, defund the police movement that's been going on throughout the country, let alone in our own state. So you've got a group of police officers that are going to hit the streets and not really going to be eager to tackle the crimes coming into our community. In reference to the schools, you're right. Penn Hills incurred a $170 million school debt that nobody knew about until it became overwhelming and the school district couldn't pay it down. They have just now paid it down to about $165 million. But one of the things that they're trying to do is they've continued to increase property taxes over the last three years as a means to offset that. Now, the way they're doing it is this. There is, a, there is an amendment in the state I think it's HB 76 that mandates any school board that is looking to raise their property taxes above a certain threshold has to put that initiative on a referendum for the voters to vote on. Penn Hills has been skirting that by keeping their tax increases below that threshold so it doesn't require that 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 need. One of the things I'm looking to hopefully accomplish is to get that threshold lowered and thus forcing Penn Hills and other school districts to go before the people before they start trying to raise their taxes. One of the struggles is, you know, we encompass all of Penn Hills, all of Verona, all of Oakmont, and you're right, half of Plum. Plum was gerrymandered to where it was divided in half. You know, Oakmont, Verona, and Plum are carrying the district when it comes to the educational system. You've got Penn Hills with a school that ranks two out of ten in, in, the stand, in the ranking system, they're in the bottom 50% of all the schools in the state. But then you've got Oakmont that's in the top 14%. You know, so there's this real weird dichotomy. There. And, and it's interesting that you would bring that up because the flip side of that is Penn Hills is the second largest municipality in Allegheny County. Absolutely. So you have a population that's been a big population for a long time. Right. But has seen better days. I mean, the Penn Hills Shopping Center, for example, used to be a bastion of businesses. Everything from Hills to John Eagle to a, to a, a theater to everything else, not quite the same. You have other communities around there that the property values are higher, the school systems are ranked higher, etc. So let me pivot to this question. What types of initiatives can you as a state legislator bring out of Harrisburg that's going to help that type of a district that's extremely diverse, not necessarily just racially diverse, which we can touch upon in a second, but also socioeconomically diverse and even how they view the world is diverse because people in Oakmont don't see the world quite the same way as people in Plumdo. That's correct. When you when you talk about business districts, you, you look at communities like Oakmont, which has a downtown. It literally has a downtown business district. And they have Oakmont Bakery, so right. they win. A, a, exactly. One of the best bakeries in the, in the county. In, in, in the country. In the country. <laughs> you, you left it in out of there. In the country. But in I the digress. Country. Go but ahead. When you look at Penn Hills, Rhode Island Road would be the main, what you would call, business district for Penn Hills. But it's not really a business district. It's a, it's a conglomerate of commercial, residential, and even industrial. Exactly. 
And Tony DeLuca had an opportunity to correct that a couple of times during his tenure, but actually resisted it for several different reasons. So one of the things is Penn Hills needs an economic district. I mean, it needs one not only for the community, but it needs one for business development, for people that are looking for opportunities to not just go out and get a job so they can get benefits, but those people that might be entrepreneurially minded. How do you how do you empower those folks out of Harrisburg to do that? Because I agree. And I've seen it. I've seen the transformation. What types of things can you do out of Harrisburg to help bring that about? Well, that's the challenge, because if you think about the Republican Party, one of the things the Republican Party is supposed to be known for is we are a pull yourself up by the bootstraps party. We are a party that wants our our people to be not necessarily reliant on handouts, but hands up, you know, reach down and help me get up so I can now be successful. Um, some of the things that Harrisburg can do is number one, lower taxes, you know, income taxes, property taxes, get rid of the gas tax. I mean, we're paying 61 cents for every dollar of gas that we, we buy. We're second highest in the nation in terms of our gas tax. You can go to Philadelphia, cross the, the, the Betsy Ross or the, the Ben Franklin bridge into New Jersey and gas drops 40 cents a gallon. Same thing going into Ohio. You know, so if we can get rid of the, 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 the gas tax, which brings me to a second point, is supposed to be going to infrastructure. But when you look at Penn Hills, when you look at Rhode Island Road, when you look at Frankstown Road and some of the other streets, they've been in, in such disrepair for so long that, you know, you run the risk of tearing up your car due to the number of potholes or bumps or dips that, that these streets have. You know, so it, there are things that are keeping people dependent on the government. You know, smaller government would help a lot, you know, reducing, believe it or not, this is going to sound weird for somebody running for the legislature, but reducing the size of the legislature would help. You've got yeah, the second. Have fun with that one. You got, <laughs> I, I get it. But you've got the second largest state legislature, again, in Pennsylvania, second only to, believe it or not, the U.S. government, you know, but the fact is we're spending a lot of money to the government that could be going into our communities to develop our communities. So that's one of the things I would hope to tackle. So let me ask you this question, Clayton. And again, you're talking to Clayton Walker, who is running for special election 32nd legislative district. Again, special election coming up beginning of February. If you're living in Penn Hills, you're living in Oakmont, you're living in Plum, you're living in Verona, make sure that you are registered to vote and you are at the polls for this special election February 7th. That's the first Tuesday in February. Again, Lenny McAllister filling in for Sam DeMarco here on WJS 1320. Thank you for joining the elephant in the room. Let, let me talk about this elephant in the room. You're, in some instances, it's very challenging for a very diverse district where you're starting to have a minority majority in Penn Hills, and then you have very homogeneous communities in Oakmont and Plum. How do you carry a, a cogent campaign message and a cogent vision legislatively should you win this district when you talk about the social the social makeup of the community this is going to sound really weird i i view myself as a political unicorn number one we're all conservatives republicans but i'm also a black pastor on top of that. So I've got a couple of things. You do realize I'm black too. I'm I sitting. understand I know this that. is radio, but. Right. But you're not a pastor. So at least not that I'm aware of. But I did sleep at a Holiday Inn last <laughs> night. But I digress. Go ahead. 
So when I, when I encounter, strangely enough, I've been well-received in Oakmont. I've been well-received in Plum. I have been well-received in Verona. Penn Hills is where the challenge runs, and that's where the largest diversity starts to tell occur. Me, tell me what your experience has been. My experience with the black community. And let me, let me, let me, let me I'm going to add a follow-up question to that because I, I want to give some homework to the audience out there, those elephants that are also in the room. One, what has your experience been? And two, how can the elephants in the room help you with that experience over the next couple of weeks? Perfect. So when I go to Oakmont and I have conversations, I knock on doors, I go to meet and greets, I, I encounter people and they find out I'm running, the majority of people in Oakmont who are Caucasian hear my message. They talk to me. They ask me questions. They don't care what party I'm affiliated with. All they want to know is how I'm going to help them if I get elected. When I talk to people in Penn Hills, when I talk to African-Americans, my colleagues, people in the ministry, people that I know, people that I'm friends with, first thing they find out is I'm conservative. Immediately the conversation, a wall goes up. They don't care what the message is. All they care about is the political affiliation, and that's due to the decades of political indoctrination that our, 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 our race has gone through. But it, what, what's interesting to me is this. You know, we were talking to Don Nevels in the, in the first portion of the show, and you know he's running against somebody who has ties to somebody that was indicted while in the state house. From a racial perspective, you might not have that going on in this race, but you're the African-American in the race. You're running against a white, very partisan candidate on the other side, and you would think if people were looking at you know, people that I can relate to, when you're walking into Penn Hills, that should be something that should play to your advantage. You know, is that, is, has that been turning as you've been knocking on doors? And again, to the elephants in the room, what can they do to help change that dynamic as you're going into the home stretch for this special election? Well, I, I'm going to address that in, <clears throat> excuse me, in two parts. I don't knock on doors and say, hi, I'm Clayton Walker. I'm the Republican candidate for the 32nd legislative district. When I knock on doors, hi, I'm your neighbor here in Penn Hills, letting my neighbors know there's a special election on February 7th. Oh, and by the way, I'm running in that election. Here, take a look at my literature. Here's my, my, my platform. Here's what I'm standing on. And I would love to have your vote. So I don't even discuss political affiliation. The challenge that I run into is, as a pastor, one of the strategies that I'm using is getting into the African-American church. I, I have access where somebody like Don Nevels or you know, Pagan might not have in terms of getting into these churches because a lot of these people are friends of mine. They're close friends of mine, knowing what my political background is, and some of them are even voting for me. But getting to their people— is the is the key. And when I get into the church, I don't go in there talking politics. I talk Bible because I talk the language they understand. The reason that we as Republicans struggle to bridge that divide is because we don't meet the people where they are all the time. We talk about here's the here's the platform I've got. Here's the things I want to do when I get to Harrisburg. And for two years or four years or however long that next election cycle is, we're invisible. You know, as a pastor, I'm in churches every week. Every Sunday, I'm either in somebody's church or I'm, I'm 
online streaming my messages, et cetera. So people have a constant opportunity to hear me. When I, when I talk to these people, if I reach opposition, the first thing I ask them is, well, if, you, if you're talking to me from a biblical perspective, tell me how your view of the party lines up with what the Bible says. And immediately the conversation changes. So I use that as an advantage. Now, how can people that are out there help me? We've got to stop in, as a group, everybody. we got to get rid of the, the divide and we got to start talking together. Right now, we've been spending the last, what, four, five, six years, you know, battling. We've got, we've it's got, been longer than that. Well, it goes back as far as the, 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 the Bush administration, but it really started to get bad right around 2008 and, and forward. But it, it, this, this gap has come between us as a people. One of the reasons that, that DeLuca was able to stay in office for so long is because even as a liberal Democrat, he passed himself off as a pro-life Second Amendment Democrat. You know, and people voted for him and they just kept voting for him. And but he also, I mean, and, and you're right, but he also had an advantage that you don't have to worry about anymore, which is straight ticket voting, which now people can look and vote for you versus saying, I want to vote for the party I'm used to voting Correct. for. You know, and, and I'm going to pivot you away from Tony DeLuca for just a second, Clayton, but I'm going to ask you that question. You know, have you had the opportunity to talk to people about, look, these are issues that transcend whatever letter anybody has behind their last name, and this is why I should be your guy. Absolutely, because if you think about the things that I mentioned, when you look at crime, a bullet doesn't know if you're a Democrat or a Republican. You know, a bullet has no idea of knowing what your political affiliation is or what your ideological background is. It will kill you whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, a black person or a white person, a male or a female. When you talk about taxes, if I'm somebody that lives in Oakmont, my taxes are going to be just as detrimental to me as somebody living in Penn Hills or somebody living in the city of Pittsburgh, because guess what? That's money that's going somewhere other than in my household. You know, so when you talk about the issues, issues don't have political backgrounds in, in many cases. Some do, but not the ones that I'm addressing. You know, and when I start talking about the issues, people listen regardless of what their political backgrounds may be. I'm Lenny McAllister, Senior Fellow at Commonwealth Foundation, filling in for Sam DeMarco here on The Elephant in the Room on WJS 1320 AM. Thank you for joining us once again this afternoon. I'm talking to Clayton Walker, the Reverend Clayton Walker, who is running in the special election in the 32nd Legislative District here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Special election coming up that first Tuesday in February. If you're living in Penn Hills, Plum, if you're living in Verona, if you're living in Oakmont, you need to make sure that you're registered, you're present, and you're voting February 7th, that first Tuesday in February. Uh, Clayton, as we're, we start getting towards the end of our time together, and again, I thank you for joining us. When you look at all the issues that are facing the district and the challenges of running in that district because you have a higher population as a different set of priorities, you know, Penn Hills is in flux. You have people that are in crisis. You have a, a higher proportion of people in Penn Hills that are reacting to 2020, George Floyd, the 2020 election, different impact of COVID, you know, Black Lives Matter, CRT. They're going to respond to that differently versus people in Oakmont and in Plum that are saying, listen, what COVID meant for me was I worked from home, but my kids suffered in school because they were online instead of being in school or 
hey, I had a good, you know, working class job and I was part of that 22 million wave three years ago where the jobs went away and I got a job, but I'm making 30% less. So you keep telling me this economy's strong, not my bottom line, especially with inflation. What are some of the goals that you have when you get to Harrisburg? It's kind of the question I asked Don earlier in the show. Your first one to two terms, you look back at the end of that second term, how's your district different and why? Well, my district hopefully will be a more financially stable district in the sense that if people can afford to buy groceries and pay their, 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 their taxes and do the things that they have to do, as opposed to just giving all their money to Harrisburg every time they turn around, that's going to be one thing. The other thing is one of the biggest challenges, you even mentioned COVID, I work in the healthcare industry and I'm a direct witness to how the Affordable Care Act has become completely unaffordable. When you have deductibles that are four and five figures, and even after you've met your deductible halfway into the year, you still have a co-insurance that you have to pay, which means you pay 20 to 30% of the actual cost of your care. That's something that the states can fight. I mean, if we can buy insurance cheaper outside of Pennsylvania as to limiting ourselves to UPMC or Highmark or some of the internal companies, that would help the, the constituents in my district. I have a large percentage of people in my district that are middle class and below that are struggling financially because of having health care. Do I pay for my health care or do I buy groceries this week? Or do I split the cost and only get 30 days of medication instead of 90 days? You know, do I halfway use my insulin because it costs $1,200 for a 30-day dosage? Those things can be addressed at a governmental level. And if I can impact that in any way, then I've done my job. One final thing before we get to your contact information. Uh, again, we're talking to Clayton Walker, who is running for the 32nd Legislative District in the special election in February. Uh, what special eye or, or viewpoint do you have on helping the youth of your district? Because they're, they're all so struggling. And it's not just the violence and penals. It's, it's learning loss across the United States as a result of COVID. It's lack of certain job opportunities as a result of the pandemic and recent economic times. What types of things as a state legislator can you do to help the youth in particular? I am a firm believer in alternative education. So what I mean by that is, again, using Penn Hills as an example, that same school district that incurs $170 million debt graduates high school students from one of the most state-of-the-art high schools in the country with a 19% math proficiency rate and a 38% reading rate. You know, if I can get people interested in learning again, they can understand that they have the power not to just be perpetual employees, but they can become entrepreneurs. They can start businesses. And I mean, above and beyond just getting hair salons, hair, you know, barbershops and liquor stores. You know, there are more things out there for people to be able to do that are affordable for them to do than always having to go out and trying to find jobs that they may or may not be qualified for. Clayton Walker, can you give us your contact information? Where can people donate to you, help you, and find more information on you? Absolutely. You can go to my website at clay4pa.com, and it is the word for, not the number. So again, clay4pa.com. You can also find me on Facebook under the same name, Clay4PA. Or if you would like to mail a donation, you can send it to Clay for PA at 239 Halton Road, and that's spelled H-U-L-T-O-N Road in Verona, PA, 15147. 
Thank you so much. That's Clayton Walker, who is running for the 32nd Legislative District Special Election coming up first Tuesday in February. Again, I'm Lenny McAllister, Senior Fellow at Commonwealth Foundation, filling in this week for Sam DeMarco here on WJAS, the elephant in the room. Look, we always enjoy you joining us every show. Looking forward to having you join us once again. Thank you so much for what you do, for listening. And once again, get involved, vote, be active. Don't be a quiet elephant in the room. Be one that makes the appropriate noise. We'll talk to you again soon. TCNGB, take care and God bless. Peace.